Hey there, Perfect Movie listeners. This is Steven. The episode you're about to hear was released one year ago this month on the bonus disc, the Patreon feed of the two Gomers. Our Patreon subscribers, we call them Gomertrons, get brand new episodes of Perfect Movie each month, plus the result show for every movie and additional bonus apps depending on what level you subscribe at. Now that a year has gone by, we're releasing the main Perfect Movie episodes to this feed so the public can hear them. If you want to stay up to date and hear these episodes a year in advance, make sure you head over to patreon.com slash twogomers to subscribe to the bonus disc. And if you like what you hear, make sure you check out Overcoming Runner's Block. That's our health podcast where we chase big goals, face our excuses, and invite a nation along for the run. You can find Overcoming Runner's Block wherever you listen to podcasts. Okay, here's the episode. Happy listening. Stephen King hates Stanley Kubrick's 1980 film adaption of The Shining. Everyone knows that because King talks about it whenever he gets a chance. Specifically, the prolific author cites the main character's arc in the movie. Quote, Jack Torrance starts batshit crazy and he ends batshit crazy. There's no connection to the audience because there's no real change. Perhaps in response to his utter disdain for that adaption, King started a program called Dollar Baby, in which he would sell the rights to his short stories for $1 to young filmmakers under certain stringent circumstances. The buyers must promise not to distribute the film without King's permission. And before he would give that permission, he would have to view and approve the finished version of the project. So, no pressure. New filmmaker Frank Darabont decided to take him up on the offer. He paid $1 for the short story, The Woman in the Room. King was so impressed by the 30-minute adaption that he offered Darabont another pick. The young director chose his favorite King novella, a story about a banker wrongly convicted for his wife's murder and his subsequent prison break, this time offering to pay the handsome sum of $5,000. Regular collaborator Rob Reiner was so upset to find that the rights had been sold, he offered $3 million to buy it back for himself to direct, but Darabont refused the quick $2,995,000 profit. It was that special to him. The movie came out in 1994, distributed in a King-style full-circle outcome by Rob Reiner's company Castle Rock, to universal critical and audience acclaim, cemented itself in the zeitgeist for decades to come, set Darabont on a path that would land him one of the highest-grossing television shows of the 2000s, and the best news? Stephen King really, really liked it. Mostly, he praised the main character's arc. We're the two gomers, we're talking the Shawshank Redemption, and this is Perfect Movie. Perfect Movie, a podcast where two regular guys try to save the universe one great film at a time. 
This is Anthony speaking, one of those two aforementioned gomers coming to you from Atlanta, Georgia. Joined as always by my friend Steven, all the way out in Flagstaff, Arizona. Two regular guys. Mm-hmm. What is this? The Shawshank Redemption. It's another like, we pick a lot of these, dude, where it's just like two guys. <laughs> but is that I, maybe that's not such a big surprise. We're two regular guys. It's our canon, dude. I mean, we can't escape like mm-hmm. relating to, you know, these kind of stories. I mean, we relate a little bit more to like Space Camp, E.T., you know, <laughs> right. Flight of the Navigator. But these are two guys. This is a a friendship movie, like maybe one of the best friendship movies of all time. I agree. High, high, like two men Mm -hmm. really loving each other. Totally. What could be better? Totally. And and you're saying like top friendship movie of all time. I was, as I was reading about this movie more and more, more than once I read that this is considered one of the best movies period of Mm -hmm. all time. Yeah. Totally. I mean, it's the top rated movie on IMDb, number right. one. Um, yep. Top male platonic friendship love story, I heard somebody say. It, it couldn't be more perfect. That's Let's just stop the episode right there. There it is. That's what it is. There's the evidence. Now, what what else What else is, is on par with that? I mean, Forrest Gump came out the same year. I mean, those two, Forrest and Bubba... Well, Great here we are friendship. again, right in the in the 1994 sweet uh-huh. spot for us. Another yep. reason why this is probably super special to us. Totally, it was it was really important. But yeah, Forrest Gump and Bubba. Yep, and Lieutenant Dan. There's a trifecta of friendships. That's right. Um, I guess would you say bromance? I don't know. I, that's not that's not what this is. It's like th- these men are really, really good friends. And that's different than like totally. a planes, trains situation where right. um, you just kind of see a small snippet of these two different guys learning to like each other. Right. This is like decades of relationship you're yep. seeing in this movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I would say uh, Frodo and Samwise, Lord of the Rings. You're right. That's- yes, is the only other like friendship movie that I can think of off the top of my head that is on par with this, like in a like. And a, there's like so much more hugging in that one. I was noticing <laughs> this this viewing of Shawshank like they hug at the very end, huh, in, yeah. the, in like the pan out from the beach you see them hug, and actually mm-hmm. that really packs a punch because mm-hmm. I don't know up until then if they've even touched one another mm. physically. Yep. So when you see them hug at the end, that's a big deal. Uh, Sam, Samwise and Frodo are like <laughs> go, going to Mount, what is it? Mount, Mount Doom? Doom? Yeah. Like hand in hand. Totally. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like either carrying each other. Yeah. <laughs> and then afterwards, oh boy. Right. Totally. Yeah. No, there, there's, a, there's a stoicism in the, in right. the prison, I think, emotionally. Because... You know, mm-hmm. yet Andy is so hopeful. And like, I love when, when Red is like, mm. he, like when they first met. So, I mean, it is a, it is a, you could look at it as a bromance. I wonder if they could do honest trailers. 
You know, like, so like, <laughs> sure, right? right? He first comes in, he thinks he's a tall drink of water, doesn't put much faith in him. <laughs> Take the don't put much faith in him and just keep the tall drink of water part in, right? <laughs> right. Like he says, he looks like he you would could be probably, bold. right. You could probably piece a bunch of this movie together yeah. and make it a true romance. Yep. Um, he says he could be but blown over right, by kind a of the, stiff breeze. Right? Like, <laughs> I, I mean, I, it's so rich, yeah. this movie. Yeah. Like a fart in the wind, like the word right. says later. So many great like quotes that I think about so often. I mean, obtuse. Me too. I the first time I ever heard obtuse. Um, obtuse, I think, is number one for me. Okay. Where I was like, what an amazing way to describe what's happening in this scene with the warden. Uh-huh. Is like he's just like huh, like obtuse in that sense. In co- context clues. Lead me to believe that means somebody's like, huh? Mm-hmm. Purposefully like, I don't understand. Mm-hmm. Obtuse, what a word. Yep. So the, good. The, the perfect description of that. Mm-hmm. What about? Yep. I was saying that too. What about pinch a loaf? <laughs> pinch a loaf. Got a laugh when we watched it a couple nights ago. Uh-huh. Um, again, when the when the warden is going nuts in the in the prison cell minus Andy at the end and he says thick as thieves you are thick as thieves I, I love that top totally yep that's the gomers We're and now he's thieves. disappeared like a fart in the wind mm-hmm. <laughs> thick, thick as thieves you are fart in the wind it's a great gomer description gonna we used to say in college we used to say I'm gonna come over there and thump your skull you know, <laughs> I love it. Gonna like, go over there and thump yes. your skull and find cheese you used to be like stop saying that <laughs> Um, can I just give a stricken real quick? Sure. I wish, because this movie takes place in Maine, mm. that all of those things would have been said with like a really thick mm. northeastern accent. Yeah, that would have been um, cool. There, there's a little like, and I, I think I get why they don't do that in the movie, um, because that that might be distracting. It might be a Fargo situation where that becomes the conversation. Right. But these people are in, like, northern Maine. Yep, you're totally right. And so you would think that they would, like, park the car and stuff like that more than they are. Yep. Um, fart in the wind. Fart instead of wind. fart in the wind. The, the, there would be no hard R's yep, happening. For sure. Well, but it was filmed almost exclusively in Ohio, right? Yep. So, yep. It, it, like, to me, it I didn't know that. And actually, I didn't really know where it was. I mean, I hear Portland. I just think Oregon. And it's kind of right, kind of uh, overcast a lot. Yep. So it's Portland, Maine. They're talking right. about. The only reason I know this is because I know where Shawshank Prison is in the Stephen King universe. Right. Because it shows up in other books. Oh, cool. So like they mention it in it. Hmm. It's like I think somebody goes there and apt pupil. Like it's part of like it exists. Mm-hmm. This story exists. Stephen King is like the original cinematic universe. Yeah. No, that doesn't work. The, like, what is it? <laughs> Author universe or something sure. where things from different of his books show up um, in other places. And so this this story happened in the same universe as it happened. Sure. And so there could be supernatural things that happen in this prison. They just don't in Shawshank Redemption. Hmm. So it's it's just really cool to think about. Anyways, I know where it's located. So I know it's Portland, Maine he's talking about. Buxton shows up several times in his books. Mm. Um, so I just kind of miss. 
and when you when you hear audiobooks of kings a lot of his readers use really thick main accents for the dialogue mm, okay yeah similar to the so i miss that a little bit the john grisham readers of the south yes like, definitely almost exa- like that's his world that's his universe so it that, so it, yeah. it would be like the firm and nobody has a southern accent uh-huh. you're you're absolutely right yeah Hmm. Um, and and I don't think there are people from all over the country coming to Shawshank Redemption. I mean, Shawshank Prison, right. Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> um, right. I think those are people that committed crimes in Maine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't. And so there they are. That like send people to Maine from like Wisconsin or like Mississippi. Certainly not in the forties. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, it's a. I, I don't know if I have any other strickens, but that one hit me this time. That's a good one. Dang it, I wish I could get a little bit more of that soft R. That's a really good one. Um, Okay, I have one. Okay. Um, It's something I have thought about for a long time. Like, I I always, like, I don't care. I let go of this stuff, right? Because this, we're going to make the argument that this is a perfect movie. It's so, so good. I mean, I'm locked into that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By the way, I think I just remembered another one, and I'm wondering if it's the same one as oh. you. But yeah, th- this is t- we were talking before we started recording, canon mm-hmm. movie for both of mm-hmm. us. Um, I didn't see it in the theater because it was rated R. Right, me neither. I, I probably I saw. Yeah, it. Where, I would, I, where did you see I it? Would do you think put this for me? Probably a super rewatch in college. It, yep. it was probably a college me too. regular rewatch. Cable, uh, video, yep. DVD, you know, read making, was, like was total read making movie for me. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, that's true. No, I, I don't make reads, but if I did, it probably right. would be for me too. Yeah. I think I think I would say that I saw it for the first time on TNT. Mm, mm-hmm. um, and my memory of it, now that I'm really thinking about it, is that I probably came in in the middle. Because that yeah. happens when you see a movie on cable, right? You just totally. turn it on. Yep. And I was—I remember being immediately taken with it. I didn't realize it was a Stephen King adaption until probably years later. Mm-hmm. They kind of hid that fact in the promotion. I feel like. Yeah. Um. But something about it made me f- like feel. Mm. This thing you have about how it looks, how it sounds, how it makes me feel. This one yeah. is high feel yes totally i mean the the grays the blues the stone i mean like the colors in it are really drab but for some reason that's i don't know i love that yep um the wide cinematic scope of the shots like the high the high shots like the kind of helicopter kind of shots incredible Um, the sweeping score I, i was thinking like there's no drones They've got a. This is a helicopter. That that first one. How when did they do that? Andy buses in, and yeah. you see the that it goes by that flag, and you hear the flag whipping. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those <laughs> movies that every beat, every mm-hmm. image is like burned into my yep. brain. Totally, it, it, it is so shot. formative. This movie, yeah, which is weird because it's about a a guy wrongly accused and then breaks out of prison. You know, like we can't really relate like we can to E.T. or Flight of the Navigator or Explorers, but it's right. that deep in there. I Right. 
Exactly. Maybe I not. mean, I said it's about two regular guys. It's not really. And we have nothing to relate around this except for the deep themes that just come out so subtly and clearly at the same time where at the end you're like, it's the best thing I ever watched uh-huh. <laughs> every time you watch it. It's it's just so stinking good. Now, I yep. let me let me go back to the stricken. Yes, please. I do cuz cuz what I was saying is like I don't like I don't really hold on to things like this, but I like to think about things like this, which everybody knows if you've listened to our podcast. Like right. I mean, well there's the claustrophobia of the 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 pipe at the end. Like uh, yeah. Like the incredible. So but and like how did he break that pipe with that rock i think it's kind of dumb yeah, that it because once you see the pipe when he comes out it's that's a thick boy right yeah, yeah, that's, that's not super, that's not small walled yeah, pipe super thick pipe um and <laughs> then the the like the the um the tunnel that he digs with that rock hammer is so long so perfectly round <laughs> And, right and, and once in a while you see like a rock sticking into the tunnel yeah, right right like what if there was just a big rock a bigger rock in there uh-huh. i know what you mean yeah, yeah. yep it's For a sure. little bit crayon's dream it's right? total like, crayon's dream like you took yep. a little bit of that wall out every day in your pocket like that is that would take a million years dude with that yep with that rock hammer, but my main one. Okay, so I I just yes. have like some troubles with those, just a little bit. Yep. Only in fun, in love. Uh-huh. Yes. Um, but is how did he put that poster back? You know what I mean? Like, like he like crept out. He had to lift the poster up, get out, I and see. then tape it yep. back. The bottom corners. Well, and, and, and he had that thing tied around his uh, <laughs> right. foot with a rope. Right. That thing's going to tear that poster right apart. Yeah. <laughs> so his alibi is gone. <laughs> I have one more. Okay. Um, besides, like, just they should have just put, like, some uh, chicken wire over the end of that pipe and bolted it in. Oh, and man. And they would have been, like, trapped. 100, 100%. He gets all the way to the end of that 500-yard pipe, and there's, like... A, uh, like a gate there or some bars yep. there you're you're mm-hmm. you're dead yeah um by the way i want to i want to take that sound clip where you said super thick pipe mm-hmm. and <laughs> use it for something else okay, um, okay. Uh, when they're on the roof my favorite scene they're on the roof uh retarring the roof right yeah just uh an amazing scene i love it i, I like to think that that's where i came in uh, during the TNT cable viewing, um, okay, because that th- I feel like that scene. If you haven't been into this movie yet, that scene will catch you mm. and keep you for the rest of the movie. Um, yes. My stricken would be: I don't think you would go up to a a violent prison guard, mm. and your opener would be: Do you trust your wife? Yep. Totally. I mean, it's 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 great writing. It's great movie writing, but instead start with I figured out a way for you to keep the money. Totally. Not do you trust your wife? So you almost get thrown off the yeah, roof. No. Like he he does have that way about him. All like that's his character, right? Like I wonder. If oh he's yeah, that's true. Just a little socially inept. Just a little bit. Like yep. he's in the courtroom. Why wasn't mm-hmm. he like, 
guys, I didn't do this. Uh, You know what? That makes a lot more sense to me about that opening line then, because I I think you're right. They're setting him up as part of the reason he went to prison is because he's socially odd. And so they he's just standing there blank faced right like uh, he doesn't know what to say he's uh-huh. a good he's good with numbers but maybe not with words right yeah and so actually that's pretty good tone you got me <laughs> I, th- I think he might then say that because of the way they're setting him up as a communicator right. and we read it as like you moron and <laughs> right. red it red is so good like man keep your eyes on your mom man like let's <laughs> cut it out dude like yep. it's so good but like yeah, but when he's in that courtroom, he could have totally at least not been so icy. Well, and think about what the judge says, dude. Mm-hmm. The judge is like, oh, dang it, what's the line? I know all the beats in this, and I can't think of it right now. He's like, he's like, I'm, I'm, a, I'm afraid just being in the room with you or something like that, right? It, right, exactly. Part of what gets him into prison is his demeanor in the courtroom. Yep. It's, and the judge, you're right, the judge says as much. Like you're so, one of the... Worst people I've ever seen or something like that. And we're like, really? This Tim Robbins. I know. He's the, like, I mean, the definition of a tall glass of water, this guy. A, a <laughs> yeah. charismatic guy. I mean, totally. and he, he just really plays it. Just the quietness of this performance. Like sometimes you can hardly hear what he's saying. Mm-hmm. On, totally. I, think, I think that's purposeful. Yep. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to some... Other people that they wanted to cast when we get to the Gomer one sheet. Yeah. Um, But uh, right in that. So one other thing I noticed real quick Mm -hmm. is the the crossovers between this movie and Rocket Man. Which Rocket Man? With Harlan Williams? (laughs) Yep. Harlan Williams. So (laughs) actor wise. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Because Tim Robbins is in that, right? Wait, no, 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 no. Tim Robbins isn't in Rocket Man. With okay, Har- I'm. Uh, no, Wait. I was thinking of Bo Bridges. My bad. I think oh, right. is in Rocket Man. Yes. Okay. Okay. Bo, yeah, you're right. Yeah. No, the the lawyer at the beginning, Jeffrey Demun, okay. the guy that's like, you know, he he reloaded the gun. I remember right? he's, now. He he's the flight director in Rocket Man. Yes. Okay. Right. I remember. And then yep. William Sadler Haywood. Okay. Right is uh, his the the leader of the flight crew to Mars, and is that also the bad guy in Die Hard Two? Yes, totally. <laughs> I was looking at his face, kind of like yeah. a little bit like pocked. You know what I mean? Like a very uh-huh. Uh-huh. cool face, and I was yeah, like, yeah. is this the guy who's doing kung fu naked at yeah. the beginning of Die Hard Two? No, yeah. I didn't get a good view of his butt. Maybe that's why I couldn't really tell. <laughs> No, that trying to get a peek like, of that. What a interesting thing for this for that actor. He's been, you know, this dude with a stutter. Yep. In Shawshank. Yep. That likes to line up cigarettes like a like a lineup of ladies. Where he's like, <laughs> line them up in front of me like a like a group of ladies. Right? <laughs> he loves um, those cigarettes. Yeah. Uh, and then Rocket Man farting, or you know, yep. farting scene, mm-hmm. and then yep. Die Hard to like the most sinister evil bad guy. Yeah, that's great. I, I love I love those connections. It's so awesome. Now, uh, where does the monkey show up in Shawshank? I can't remember. Mm. You know the monkey. Uh, the monkey. Is there ever the a monkey, monkey from? 
I think no. there is a monkey quote. Is there? I there might be, yeah, but I don't remember any monkeys eating puzzle pieces or surely there's no jumping on the bed. No. My favorite part <laughs> of Rocket Man. Yeah. That, that's a bit of a fall from grace because so so Die Hard 2 would have been early 90s. This is 94. And then Rocket right. Man, I think, is 97. Yeah, you're right. Shoot. Not in my eyes. I love Rocket Man. Oh, I know. You're you're totally right. I love it. It's just he's he's doing a farting scene on Mars with Harland Williams. He's <laughs> That's like true. the fall you're right. guy. Good point. <laughs> like <laughs> he goes from being like in a seven-time Oscar-nominated movie. Yeah. Um, well, I, one, I mean, I don't think we need to talk much through what other movies came out then because we have so many times. We've yeah, done so no. many of these movies. We're gonna do so many more. Yeah, I mean. Um, when I look at the so this is the top box office from top left to bottom right, dude. That's one through twenty or whatever that I wrote down on our one sheet. Like that's just straight up the box office. Like wow, it's just every single movie I want to see from Lion King to Forrest Gump, the Santa Claus, Ms. Doubtfire, Schindler's List, Philadelphia, The Client. I mean, <laughs> so this is a big run for Grisham too. I'm surprised this, you didn't star The Client. To tell you the truth, that why is that know. one starred? I, well, but here's if you see on the very bottom, I starred yeah. number seventy nine. So Shawshank Redemption, yeah, on box office mojo for nineteen ninety four uh-huh. is number seventy nine. Nuts. Yeah, right. Well, th- that ju- that just shows you that box office doesn't mean a lasting movie because Flintstones is number five. Like, oh, who talks right. about Flintstones anymore? Right. And Shawshank is, like I said in the cold open, I think it's part of film history. Yep. Like it, it is a it it I, I feel like it was popular in the 90s for most people to say their famous their favorite movie was Shawshank. Totally. You'd always get a oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Definitely. Like when people ask me my favorite movie, mm-hmm. I always say E.T. Yep. And I often get, huh. Like really? from people from non- nerdy people okay like a lot of people actually don't get that that et is one of the best movies ever made i wonder if that's because it's a kids movie that it's it's like uh, you know they they set that aside well i mean like movie not kids movie this one feels like it's cool to for it to be your favorite movie because it's a grown-up movie Everybody kind of comes out of it saying, I recognize that that is a very well-made, emotionally arresting, well-acted yeah. plot. And there's the twist. Yeah. And it's hard not to love this movie. Yep. You're safe to say that this was your favorite movie. No one would say, what? Right. Unless you're like a real snobby and say, oh, everybody says Shawshank. I know. Get lost. Yep. Go crawl could, down a thick pipe. Yep. <laughs> you you could say like Inception now. A lot of people say that. Or like Sure. Yep. You know, now now a Nolan film might be. Or like an art house movie. Yeah, definitely. Know? This this one maybe is a little bit too old now to yep. for most for people to cite as their favorite movie. It's almost thirty years old. That's crazy. Yeah. Is this our generation's favorite movie? Like the best I, I movie th- of like... I think maybe... Th- that's what I'm saying. I think it was very like even cool to say it was your favorite movie. Yes. For Gen mm-hmm. Xers. Yep. This is Gen X top. 
Like which maybe- is weird because it's about the 1940s. <laughs> right. I I think though they do it, they do such a good job of making it not too stuck in a decade. Yeah. Not too stuck. Like there's the because like they're in this time capsule of a prison. Not a time mm-hmm. capsule. Sorry. Like they're actually away from time in a prison. Outside right? of like, time. Yep. Yes. So like the only thing you can do is change their their like um, prison you know outfits whatever you call that. Um, yeah, so I, I I think that probably Stephen King said it in that time frame because that makes the prison break more plausible. Uh huh. These things that you're saying about like digging through a wall and crawling through a pipe, sure, that wouldn't be as believable in 1994. Yep, they have to jump through a lot more hoops for like uh, face off. To get out of a prison. <laughs> I mean, they're wearing those boots. Remember those yeah. boots? I know. What do you guys do? We got to get rid of those metal boots. Isn't the pri- the prison is in the ocean? Let me try to remember this about face off. Oh, the prison's right. in the ocean. Yeah, but you you and you ha- you're wearing. Why are they wearing those boots? That way they can lock them down anywhere, anytime. Got right? it. They have, if they're if, like, they're, if they're misbehaving, they push a button and they're magnetized to the ground. Yep. So Nicolas Cage got to get those boots off. Totally. Boots Sorry. off. Oh, yeah, boots <laughs> off. See, that's the thing, remember? That was his whole point. He had to go to the infirmary, get the boots taken off, and then... Sorry, something's wrong. <laughs> oh. Let's try again. Oh, sorry, that was my watch. I'll edit Infirmary? There. Maybe that's what did it. Yeah. Is that what Siri oh. heard? <laughs> yeah. Um, but I put on the bottom of that box office, though, that Jurassic Park made more money in 94 than Shawshank Redemption. And it came out and a it year came earlier. Out, yeah, yeah, like over a year earlier. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's just something of well, note, though. So this yeah. movie cost $25 million, came out October mm-hmm. 14th, 1994. Yep. Two hours, 22 minute runtime. I think it's still, that's not too long for this. This is, I can settle pretty well into this movie and it's time. Totally. Yeah. Um, Perfect for cable. Uh, Definitely. That, I mean, I, on cable, it's three hours because of yeah, commercials. Yeah, right. So it's great, great amount for commercials. Yep. That's a um, nice Sunday afternoon watching TNT. Oh, man. You know, that is something that is completely lost. We've said this before, but on our kids, yep. no mm-hmm. flipping of channels. You're not going to discover a movie like this without cable. Yeah, unless it comes up on your, like, suggested for you. But even so, speaking of two regular guys, the the image of Shawshank that I got when I watched it on HBO Max, I think, yep. was like, it, it's Tim Robbins, and then it looks like <laughs> Morgan Freeman is like peeking around. You know what I mean? Is it like they're oh. they're staggered one behind yeah, yeah. the other, yep. and so it looks like Tim Robbins should be saying like, he's right behind me, isn't he? That stupid joke. It just looks oh, like right. Morgan Freeman's about to pounce on him. It doesn't show you very well what the movie's about. So even if it shows up in like, you might be interested in the Shawshank Redemption, you're not yep. going to just put that on like you would when you're flipping by. Yep. And now a movie is an investment because you select it. Yep. You have to start from the beginning. Yep. You don't just stumble into it. Yeah, that doesn't happen anymore, does it? That you would nope. watch from the middle. Nope. Wow. Maybe if you yeah. come into somebody watching it, like in college, maybe. Right. Or if somebody's like, this is on a suggested watch list, you just have to see this. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. There's still ways, but not like there used to be in the 90s. Hmm. Um, okay, so 
the budget for this movie was twenty five million. The first run was the, mm. at the box office was only sixteen million, and that's when it was on box office mojo. Right? It didn't okay. gain its traction until it got all this Oscar buzz. It was nominated for seven Oscars, didn't win any. Yeah. Um, but best picture, best actor for Morgan Freeman, best screenplay adapted, best cinematography, sound, score, and editing. After wow. that, they re-released yeah. it in theaters, and then word of mouth, Oscar buzz gets it another like sixty million. So it does end up getting at seventy three point three million total, which is great. I wonder if that would ever happen again, because right. now it would be that you get to see it on streaming. And it doesn't make that kind of money back. Then it was like, oh, nobody saw this movie and people are coming to the theater asking about it. Let's put it back in the theaters. And then it yeah. makes another, what, $60 million? Mm. Yep. That rules. Yep. Good for it. Um, yep. Rotten Tomatoes, 91% critic, 90% mm -hmm. or 98% audience. Yeah. People love it. We love it. People love it. I'm yep. looking at some of these cast choices on the bottom and not believing my eyes. Okay, dude. Yeah, here let's let's go over a couple of these cast choices. So, okay. Originally, this was actually offered to Tom Hanks, which so that makes sense to me because of Green Mile, I guess. Totally. I mean, same same director writer Frank Darabont, right. but that's after, yep. right? That's way it after. is. So maybe I'm just saying I can see that role swapped because maybe because Tom Hanks is tall. I don't know. But also like he fits in that prison, Stephen King prison movie to me because of Green Mile. Sure. So that swap would make sense to me. Yep. Different face though. Different. Like you wouldn't Different pick him face. up as icy. You no. know, like what would right. Tom Hanks say to, to, uh, to Hadley? You know, like, do you trust your wife? Like... <laughs> <laughs> pretty good yeah he would <laughs> and then then the prison guard would be like i sure do come on over here and it would be immediately if he's tom hanks is just too likable totally you'd be like this is forrest gump man um yep. this is come on Josh baskin um yeah but kevin costner was then offered okay uh now here's the crazy thing and you mentioned this in the cold open but yeah. Rob Reiner really wanted this, right? And so he wanted Tom Cruise to be Andy and Harrison Ford to be Red. That was his casting. Stupid. Sorry, no, Rob. I just, really like Rob Reiner. Totally. Uh, I, I might have more Rob Reiner movies on my perfect movie list on our Google Doc than any other director. And mm. Rob Reiner had some clout because, no, Misery wasn't yet, I don't think. Where he had won an Oscar for Kathy Bates with a Stephen King novel. I don't think that's until later. So maybe he just didn't have the clout yet. To And I'm glad that Tom mm. Cruise did not get this role. <laughs> Too short. <laughs> it was kind of like in Tom Cruise's like dramatic act. Before he would just like forgot all that and said, I'm just going to jump out of planes for the rest of my life. Uh huh. He was in that like The Firm. And uh -huh. uh, what's the one where he was... Uh, Veteran in a wheelchair, born on the 4th of July. Oh, yeah. I just watched that, that kind of like thing two weeks ago. Wow. Okay. I mm -hmm. don't think I've ever seen it. I hadn't either. We did the score to it. Okay. Uh, in a Pops concert. And uh, so I was like, I just, I need to watch the movie. Great Trump. It's just a trumpet solo movie. Okay. But awesome. Yeah. Pretty. I mean, it, it wasn't the movie that I thought, like, it wasn't what I expected. I love going into movies that you've heard about and with nothing, like, I didn't know anything about it. 
Yeah, I don't think I know anything about it besides he's in a wheelchair. That's it. And he gets mad. He's a wounded um, vet. Like he gets shot right, that's in right. Vietnam. Yeah. Okay. It's a, it I'll have good. to watch it. But so maybe like Rain Man Tom Cruise, you know how he's, but he's still yeah. kind of manic in that movie. Uh-huh. You know, he's still kind of like going everywhere. I just, <laughs> I don't see him being able to control himself like Tim Robbins is controlling oh, yeah. himself. Get busy living or get busy dying. <laughs> <laughs> he's flailing his arms around he jumps off the roof <laughs> swings around yeah. replaces his face with someone else's face uh-huh that's for mission impossible not not face off that was kind of confusing sorry yeah um so i mean i guess apparently johnny depp nicholas cage jeff bridges were other people considered this is according to nicholas cage i know <laughs> i think that double for nicholas cage too manic <laughs> Um. Yep, the Harrison Ford thing though makes no sense. So okay, so you've read the book. I have. You've read the book. Yep. So apparently, Red is Irish, right? Like an Irishman. Yes. Which which is a really fun joke mm. that has a, another layer to it. Mm. In mm-hmm. when when the I mean, I think is it's one of the big laugh lines in this kind of like very serious and saccharine yep. movie, right? Like is yep. when. Uh, Andy asks Red why his name is Red, and he says maybe it's because I'm Irish. That line is in the book, mm. but in the mm. book he's an Irish guy with red hair, and so uh. it's and his last name is Redding. I I just lo- that that is for the fans. That that's a that's a fan service joke. Sure, I didn't even. It's not know just that. because he's obviously not Irish because he's black. It's because that <laughs> that was directly lifted from the book. Okay. And not change, but it means something so different in the movie. Yeah, that's so good. I didn't know that until researching this this the, this yeah. week. Um, mm-hmm. Two two other really interesting ones. Tommy, do you know this yeah. one? Oh, I forgot to write it down. Tommy was supposed to blank. be Brad Pitt. Oh, I like that. So this is Thelma like and Louise Brad Pitt. I thought you were gonna like that. <laughs> oh, you know I like Thelma and Louise Brad Pitt. <laughs> I knew you were gonna love. I that. I, th- I think that really works. I think that is for that amazing. I mean, I really like the. I don't know who the actor is even. Oh, Tommy. I didn't even. I didn't even write him down. Um, yeah, he was totally he, great. More and James he looks kind of familiar. Yeah, you're right. He like, looks like Elvis, right? Yeah, he's, purposefully that look. He's got the end. Like I feel like if we were watching it now, we'd be like, "What the heck, Brad Pitt?" I mean, almost like Thelma and Louise, actually. And you're like, what the heck? I love that. I love Brad I love Pitt. it when a super famous actor shows up in a bit part. Yeah. In well, how famous was Brad Pitt at this point? Probably getting there. Yeah, I think he was getting there. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I love seeing Tim Robbins in uh Top Gun. You know? Tell me about it. Merlin. How does he fit in that seat? He's so <laughs> tall. Totally. Merlin. Totally. Um <laughs> Yep. And then this one, fat ass. Mm-hmm. That was originally John Favreau tried out for that. Wait, what's his name in Rudy? Mm, not Squiggy. Um, <laughs> Dang it, D- I can't oh, remember. Debop. This is. <laughs> I would have loved to see his IMDb <laughs> if he had gotten this role. That it's yeah. Debop followed directly by Fat Ass. <laughs> That's how I got my start. Um, but apparently <laughs> I love it. This, this is again, I think this was from that IMDB little video that I saw 
is that he mm-hmm. didn't get it. They gave it to that other dude who is amazing. Yeah. I'm not supposed to be here. You know? There is there is no one in this movie that's not amazing. Oh, yeah. You, you just buy it right away. Everybody, when they're scared, they're scared and you believe they're scared. Especially... Yep. Badass. I mean that. That's the. Is that the hardest scene to watch? Uh, no, gang, gang rape sisters scene. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, sisters I, is almost skippable for me. I hate that. Like I but wish I that will, was. Yeah, I know. I will skip the fat ass scene though sometimes because I just don't like watching people get beat. Yeah, I hate that. Like that. I mean, it it really shows Hadley. Like yep. it shows his rage and character as like the, the captain of the of the. Of the ship of you know keeping you're right keeping the reins on all the people and like having his his power you know um yeah he, it makes him really friggin scary right off the bat and 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 it also shows what's uh what's that guy's name hayward oh the, yeah the, the way that he wants to win but he actually is feels guilty he felt terrible about it what a scene yep uh, the scenes in this movie i know so good. Um, Amazing. But apparently John Favreau, like, lost a ton of weight after not getting this or something like that. He, like, turned it around really? and was, I think, Swingers was next? Swingers, yeah. I guess Swingers would be next. So, so he entered, like, the super skinny Favreau season. Yep. And now he's kind of back. He, he, he's, a, he's a yo-yo dude. Yep. Right? Definitely. Yes. Like, think about him in P- Peter Pertin- Jackson, too. You're totally right. But think about John Favreau yep. and partner to Deep Impact. Right. Like super yeah. skinny dude. Yes. And then once he gets to Iron Man again, he's kind of embracing his uh, his kind of his, his size again. Yeah. Right? And then he's just kind of been that size since. Yep. What is that? I guess when you're making millions of dollars whenever a Marvel movie comes out because <laughs> you directed Iron Man. Yep. Right. And so you get to be a producer for the rest of your life. Jeez. You're like, why be skinny? I don't know what don't goes through a person's mind, but it's just like, I'm going to live now. Don't even worry about it. All right. We've gone over 40 minutes, so we should probably do the VHS and get into yeah, the trial. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> One of those movies, right? I mean, it's... Totally. I could talk about it forever. All right. Yep. Here's the back of the VHS. I have the DVD in my DVD case in the other room. In fact, it might have been one of the first DVDs after The Matrix that I got. Yeah, this is one that we we all owned. You all have to have your own copy just in case yep. it's not on not on TV every other day. <laughs> Which would be rare that it wouldn't be on TV whenever you turn it on. But just in right. case, you're right. Um, okay, superb Jeffrey Lyons from Sneak Previews. One of the best, oh, one of the 10 best films of the year, Time Magazine. Also, Good Morning America. Also, Siskel at the movies. Wow. Seeing this... Oh, and here's the... First of all, the, the pictures they chose are very odd. Okay. One is the two guys, the two gomers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it looks like Tim Robbins is asking Morgan Freeman to get him a rock hammer. They're playing baseball. You know oh, that yeah, part? yeah, yeah, yeah. They're yep, kind of totally. crouched down on the ground and he's showing him rocks. The yep. second one is the golf pro kissing his wife. Ugh. Okay. That's the picture on the back. And the last one is Brooks holding Hayward at knife point. Huh. <laughs> weird. Super weird. Okay. Uh, anyways, okay. Here we go. Seeing his beautiful wife in the arms of another man is more than Andy Dufresne, 
Tim Robbins, the player, can stand. But what happens next is even more shocking. Andy is convicted of her murder and sent to Shawshank Prison for life. The seasoned convicts there, headed by Red, Morgan Freeman, Academy Award nominee, Driving Miss Daisy, that puts you in the right time right there, yep. makes bets he won't last the first night, but Andy is full of surprises. Forming an unlikely friendship with Red, Andy proves his resourcefulness, winning favors from the warden, but as the years go by, Andy and Red never give up the dream of freedom, and together they turn hope and friendship into an uplifting bond no prison can ever take away. Hmm. Rated R. Good news, it's in color, mostly stone color. You don't really get a pop of color until the Pacific, I think. Right. You're. Yep. Totally. Which is awesome. Um, yep. Uh, 144 minutes, 142 minutes, like you said, it, it goes by just the right, I mean, it is, I would say, might be called slow for some yep, people. Sure. Um, but I don't, I don't think that's the right word. I think it's very purposefully paced. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Yep. All right, dude, should we just head right into the trial after 45 minutes of conversation? We're going to get right into it. Let's do it. Ladies and gentlemen, you've heard all the evidence. I submit that this was not a hot-blooded crime of passion. Consider this. A revolver holds six bullets, not eight. That means that he fired the gun empty and then stopped to reload. By the power vested in me by the state of Maine, I hereby order you to serve two life sentences back to back, one for each of your victims. So be it. Send you here for life. That's exactly what they take. I believe in two things. Discipline. Help me! In the Bible. Here you'll receive both. Andy came to Shawshank Prison in 1947. Why'd you do it? I didn't, since you asked. <laughs> you can fit right in. I must admit, I didn't think much of Andy first time I laid eyes on him. He had a quiet way about him walk and a talk that just wasn't normal around here. There are places in the world that aren't made out of stone. There's something inside that they can't touch. What are you talking about? Hope. Let me tell you something, my friend. Hope is a dangerous thing. Damn it, dude, friend, you're putting me behind. Hope can drive a man insane. You better be sick or dead in there, I kid you not. Better get used to that idea. Oh, my holy God. I guess it comes down to a simple choice, really. Get busy living, you get busy dying. Get busy living, or get busy dying. That's damn right. Suds to just bask in the sun and record a podcast with my buddy. How's it going? Suds. That's another one. Suds. I love it. Just makes you feel like a man. Just a nice ice cold bottle of suds. I love <laughs> that. It's, it's always fun to do a to put a movie on trial that has a trial in it. Ooh, yeah. 
We've yep. done that several times. This is another one. So like Andy Dufresne, we are putting this movie on trial. Not for murdering its wife, <laughs> but to see if it's perfect. Mm-hmm. Anthony and I will act as its defense counsel, which I you, do you even see Andy's defense counsel? Nope. Totally not. All you see is the NASA director. <laughs> <laughs> Rocket Man's NASA director. Uh, We're going to try to prove to you, the listener, we don't have to prove to each other, I don't think, that this movie is perfect. We're going to bring exhibits onto the floor. um, And then you will get to add. They do show the jury. Yeah, they do. Looking at him stone faced. Yep. So that's your role, listener. After we're done, you get to act as jury, judge, and possibly executioner. Mm. Um, because afterwards I get a vote, Anthony gets a vote, and you get a vote. 75% yeses from the nation equals a yay. If this movie gets perfect, I think it has a pretty good chance. I don't want to jinx it. Now that I'm saying that, I bet people will vote no just because oh, I said man, that. Oh, man, please don't. Okay, <laughs> never mind. Everyone's going to hate it. But if by some slim chance it becomes a perfect movie, we send it up to Jabba the Hutt. Mm-hmm. He... Watch starts watching during the cantina scene. Oh boy, I found something mm-hmm. out about the cantina scene, bro. Mm. Do you know what the music is called that they're playing in the cantina scene? The OG? Yes. Or the new one. The no. The style oh, yeah, of music. Yeah. George Lucas says the style of that music is called jizz. Oh. What the heck? This is true. What? And the band? Oh, no. I don't know if we have to bleep this out. George Lucas. The band is called Fingering Dan. Oh. And the Biths. The Biths are those, like, some of them look like they're playing oboes. Yep, there's an oboe and there's a bassoon in there. There's total bassoon. (laughs) There's a bassoon in that band. (laughs) And apparently they can cyclical breathe or something through the back of their heads, and that's why woodwinds are a good instrument for these guys. Oh. But you said fingering Dan? Mm-hmm. So is that like Steely Dan? It's it's a, It was like a... Because they're using their fingers to play their oboes or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But listen, that does not age well. No. Anything about that. Um, <laughs> anyways, wow. Jabba the Hutt is, would be watching this movie during that, distracting him from showing up as a CGI self to annoy Han Solo. <laughs> <laughs> he finishes the movies just in time to convert into a good guy before getting strangled by grown-up Leia. So that's what's okay. going to happen. That's that's the rule. So okay, good. Um, Shawshank Redemption, we love it, but why? I was even thinking during the movie, why? Why mm-hmm. is it so good? Mm. So I have mm. some. I, I just want to say this at the beginning. I have some practical evidences, mm-hmm. but. There is just some sort of magic. Yep. You know, people talk about movie magic. Right. And I roll my eyes. Yeah. But I think it's kind of true when it comes to Shawshank. It's like I was saying, high feel. Mm -hmm. I was riveted when I Mm -hmm. turned it on on TNT through the end. Yep. There is something, there's some secret sauce in this. And I, I, I don't think I've been able to really identify what it is. Okay. Yeah, I can't either, but we're going to try. We're going to try. And so we're going to chunk in when we believe we have evidences ready. 
<laughs> Both of us are scrolling feverishly on our phones. I know. Gotta find right that now stupid, to find the sound. That stupid chunk in sound. That stupid sound. I've got it. Did you get it? Do you want to chunk in? Do you have something? Or do you want me to start? Yeah, why don't you start? Why don't you start? Okay. All right. Yep. I'm going to chunk in. Oh, that courtroom sound <laughs> that we made up. Just kidding. Yep. Uh, here, I've got three letters written down for my first. You like to do this sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Three yeah. letters, B. two numbers. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, the three letters are POV. I love that this story, and it's from, they got this from Stephen King, is told from the point of view mm. of Red. Okay. That's fantastic. I, I, think, I think it would lose a lot. First of all, it's told in his, like, his tone, his voice. Mm-hmm. And so, obviously, you can't go wrong when that's Morgan Freeman. And this has mm. been, like, made... This is, like, meme before it's meme, right? The way yeah. that Morgan Freeman tells this story in this movie... Yes. ...has oft been repeated and... Saturday night lived and all sorts yeah. of stuff, right? Yeah. Whenever there's a serious scene and you've got somebody who can do an impression of Morgan Freeman, it's a Shawshank Redemption impression. Right. It's the perfect narrated movie of all time. Best narrated yep. movie. Best I, narration, I think, best voice. Yes. So I think that's actually what I'm talking about. That the the way and it might it might just be the secret sauce. I'm not sure. But the fact that you've got Morgan Freeman playing this character, Red, telling the story and starting as the guy that knows what's going on. Mm-hmm. And uh, Andy is kind of the audience surrogate to this prison. And so um, you're relying on Morgan Freeman's voice to tell you and comfort you a little bit about what life is like in this prison. Right. Yeah. Yep. But then the movie wouldn't work unless it was him because he doesn't know what's going on, really. Right. And so he becomes the audience surrogate mm-hmm. where he is just as surprised about the twist. And I, I would call it a twist at the end. Yep, totally. That he has been escaping this whole time. Um, you get to he, You're surprised along with him. And mm-hmm. so I just I just love it when you get a what you think is maybe an outsider telling the story, and it's the perfect person to tell that story. So I, I as I was watching it last night, I was like so amazed <laughs> by how it just works, and you yep. are you are comforted by that voice in the scary situation, and then it also works at the end because you're surprised with him. Yes. Like, doesn't he narrate during, like, the some of the gang rape scenes, which are, like, the worst parts, right? Yeah. Like, it, it'll start, and then and then they'll turn down the sound, and then he comes in. And you're like, the, okay, the I know where we are. The same with the beating, uh-huh. right? There's, yeah. there's some sort of... I, I don't know if, if it's Morgan Freeman himself. I know that goes a long way. Just like we talked about Tom Hanks serving this role in other movies, that you're just mm-hmm. automatically with him. Mm-hmm. Um, right. But I hadn't thought about this, what you're saying, that even in the most terrifying scenes, when the narration comes in, you're you're able to kind of step outside that horror a little bit. Yes. 
like he comes in and he's like he's like I'd say that those first two years were the worst. Yep. You know, and you're like, okay, we're we're on a journey. Uh huh. Right. Like he he drops in and he's like, okay, here's kind of where we're at. That that's so true. Yeah. You know? And now this is a so there's also a a bit of S- Stephen King in this for me because I think of anything the narration was pulled directly out of the book. Mm. And so the richness of the language is King. And I started reading Stephen King with misery when I was in eighth grade. I snuck it. I secretly checked it out from the library. (laughs) Was surprised that I was able to Mm -hmm. check it out. Verona Public Library, remember that? Right across. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From Saint Pertner to Saint Andrews, exactly right across there. I think it's a church itself now. That yes. building, yes. Um, but I have a vivid memory of sweating, going up and checking out Misery. Yeah, and they were just like, "Here you go." Yep, didn't care. Wow. Yep. Hmm. Maybe I looked mature for my age. That is not <laughs> true. That is. You had your McDonald's costume or uh, uh, outfit. <laughs> costume is costume is right. <laughs> More like Where's Waldo costume. <laughs> Do I have to wear this to McDonald's? I wouldn't uniform, be surprised. Uniform. No, it's just me, my gi- just a giant pair of lips with legs, <laughs> glasses perched on top, checking out misery. They couldn't. It's, how old is this kid? We can't tell. Yeah. Um, just uh, absolutely, my life was changed by his writing. I I remember thinking he writes how I think. Hmm. Um, so the, I, I mean, case in point, I think I found something at the beginning. I'm pulling out my Kindle folks. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Here's, here's page two of the book, the novella, I should say it's part of different seasons, which is four novellas in a book, right? which also has the mist in it, I think. And also the body, which is stand by me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and then apt pupil. Apt Pupil, which Shawshank Redemption is in. I mean, Shawshank Prison. Oh, I keep saying that. Okay, yeah, yeah. So I've, I know these four titles, never read any mm-hmm. of them, but I know that much that it's yep. four books in one. Yes. Right? Um, and I think I said this in the Firm episode. I think that those are his best movies. Not full novels adaptions, but short sure. stories and novellas. I think they're mm. much more consumable and adaptable. Uh-huh. So listen to this. And the book is also told from Red's voice. Yeah, I'm a regular Neiman Marcus. And so when Andy Dufresne came to me in 1949 and asked me if I could smuggle Rita Hayworth into the prison for him, I said it would be no problem at all. Mm. So it's just direct. That's it. It's just pulled right out. This this whole Mm. thing at the end... If I can even remember it without crying. it's, It's the big tear point for me when... Red after it's af, after Andy has escaped, and mm-hmm. Red does this kind of like poetic thing about like birds yeah. being caged. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's probably a thirty-minute speech or narration, I should say. There's a pause, and then he says, "I guess I just miss my friend." Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wrote that down as like one of the best lines. That's that's d- lifted directly out of the book, and so I think what oh. they did was like. Why not? Why not just 
This is yeah. told from first person perspective from this guy. Yeah. Let's just make it narration. Yep. And so it's it's this language. The I really connect with this kind of writing. Mm-hmm. I'm familiar with the author, and it's Morgan Freeman's voice. Yep. So basically, everything about it is perfect. It's like tailor made. Yeah. This is like The Martian for me. Like just yes. tailor made for Stephen. It really is. Yeah. Um. So and and it's it's. I also think that his non. I think I said may have said this in the firm book, uh, the firm episode too. I think his non supernatural movies mm. translate best. Uh, mm. Sorry, books translate best to movies. Yeah, and so there's just a lot more. I, I actually think he excels in those spaces. Uh, he's a great horror writer. He's the best horror writer, but I think he's undersold as this kind of writer. He just knows how to connect. Hmm. And they let him maybe more in this movie, in the actual dialogue, or monologue in this case, shine. Speaking of speaking really yeah, so shining. But, speaking yeah. of, he actually right. shines, where not in The Shining. Not in The Shining as much. I love The Shining. Me too. I, I disagree with him it's about that movie. I think, I, I think it's incredible. Uh-huh. But this is much more of a Stephen King movie than The Shining is, even, yeah. even though The Shining is a horror movie. Right. But this one feels more like it. To um, me, it does. Yeah. So you just get that Frank Darabont, who wrote the screenplay, Academy Award nominated for the yep. adapted screenplay. You mm-hmm. just get that he loves it. Yes. That he respects I think you're right. it. Yep. And he wants to put like as much in, uh, as much of it in as he possibly can. It's not yep. like he's um, trying to make his make his mark with it he's trying to like let it be like let bartlett be bartlett right like let (laughs) yes let king be king like i loved it let's do that yep now do you have so on my agenda which i didn't get to of course because i'm doing a million other things was to read this book this week (laughs) so Mm -hmm. dang it i'm sorry i i I think you could read it in a couple days yeah well it it just didn't happen the so, audio book is really good, dude. Okay, but I, I so like a week ago, I looked for it and I couldn't find it on Audible. You know what? When I looked for it on Audible, uh huh, it wasn't. I didn't know at that point that it was part of a four book. So what's that called? Different, different, different strokes. seasons. Different, yeah, seasons. different strokes. <laughs> Just try to find that Shawshank Redemption. Be like, Google I will search Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> different strokes i looked up in audible rita hayworth and the shawshank redemption nothing mm-hmm. so yeah I'm like ah oh, dang it what do you think about that title change just the shawshank redemption yeah yeah great great i do too i, th- I think it works for a short story but i think it's a little confusing yeah, yeah for yeah. a movie title which they probably thought i mean the shawshank redemption itself is kind of a weird title mm-hmm yeah i think that combined with if they had said stephen king's Shawshank Redemption, it would have been like, pew, like so uh, many yeah. people are scared off by that. I agree. And right? I, I wonder if that's why it doesn't say that. And there are definitely Stephen King's Christine. I mean, he, he like, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I can't, uh, the, on purpose. This is mm-hmm. the selling point. It, it's, a, it's a movie about a demon car. Nobody's going to come to this. <laughs> but if we put Stephen King apostrophe S above the title, <laughs> right. then it's a blockbuster. <laughs> yeah. But I, I think you're right that it, it, 
if it would have worked against this one. Mm-hmm. Because you don't know it's like this Stephen King. Right. Yep. You know, you think it's like shining Stephen King or like exactly scary, scary. St- I mean, I what is there a movie or a something where they were like. Stephen King came by and I he looked right at me. It's there's. Hmm. I don't it, know. There's like a comedy or an SNL sketch or something. OK. Where, that I remember from my youth where it's like, yeah, Stephen King came in and he looked right at me and it was like so scary. <laughs> really like, I, yeah, that's I, funny that sounds funny yeah and so like it like instilled in me this like fear of this this author like if like i didn't know that this was based on him at all um yeah so yeah, yeah. i think i think the narration with morgan freeman mm-hmm. this, the the pulling straight from the book is fantastic evidence dude and i don't i do not think the movie would have worked without that so it's it's have you ever, I think I've talked about this before like uh, you you can find arrested development episodes without yeah. Ron Howard's narration and it makes oh. no sense. Hmm. You're just completely what? lost. So it would I don't make think no it's, sense. I I don't think it's that. I think that the the movie would not it would pack half the punch. Not if they just removed it, you know what I mean, but if they had made the movie without it. Right. I just yep. I don't think it would be it would have had the lasting impact that it had. Yes. Okay, I'm going to chunk in, dude. Great. All right, my first piece of evidence as to why this is just so good, like, because we're trying to figure out why is this so good. Mm-hmm. I think the editing, I I, mm. I don't know why I keep coming back to editing all the time, but it, it's how it, you put you a movie editing. together. It's how you yes. put a movie together, right? Like, Right. You write the movie, but then it's made in the editing, yep. right? Yeah. Uh, so, actually, I don't even know who the editor was, although I'm gonna, I know. I'm going to look it up. No, Go ahead. You keep talking. Okay. Okay. Um, I heard this one thing about the edit. There are uh-huh. two, two, two things that I wanted to make of note. Yeah. One is in the original cut, when Andy like start, goes to put his name in the wall. Okay. And, you know, like in the very end when Morgan Freeman's narrating his escape, yes. he talks about the inception of the escape, which is when he's putting his name in the wall, he pulls that that like little rock out and sees yeah. that the wall is you can you can you could chisel your way through this wall. It's made of some sort of like soft cement yeah. or like it's it's aged so much that it's falling apart, basically. Yeah. Yes. So in the original cut, I believe um they had that right then yeah where like that would have been terrible yeah so he cuts andy and then Uh right that nice chunk pulls out and you're like ooh. so if so i watched today when i watched it right or i had it on this morning um and uh 40 it's like 40 minutes in is when that scene takes place maybe like 40 30 something like that Mm -hmm. and um if you had known right then that he's going to escape, even though you know going into it, kind of like Titanic, like this is going to be a prison break, you know, ending. Yeah, do, do you, is, is that, so I don't, I don't think I knew as a kid that that was true, but I think that pretty immediately, especially after the Oscar buzz, mm-hmm. it was known this guy escapes. This, this movie is about a prison break. Right. Yeah. Yep. 
So right then, if you had seen that, you'd been like, oh, so he's going to get through that wall. And the whole reveal of, uh, well, it wasn't Rita Hayworth. Who was it at the end? Oh, I can't remember who the final girl, the final girl was. The one, the one with the woolly mammoth bikini on. Uh-huh. Yeah. Bar- um, sh- come on, people. <laughs> I, I'm not going to Google woolly mammoth bikini, okay? We're just going to have to let this one go. Uh, yeah. Um, anyways, that reveal with, you know, Warden Norton. Yes. Pulling the poster away. Like, yep. that would be just, like, lost. You'd be like, oh, okay. I mean, it'd be still awesome. I I, th- I think that the, it's the, can an editor make the movie work that has a twist at the end? Right. Is, mm-hmm. and, and so that film, the, obviously, it's the same shot that you see at the end of yep. him picking. Yep. But there's a choice made, like... Maybe if we showed that, nobody, people still wouldn't catch on. They would just think, oh, that's weird. Right. And they'd forget about it. But mm-hmm. the choice is not to show it at all. And that is just a much better editing choice. Mm, so good, dude. So yeah. like, what would that, so that would have been like a Chekhov's gun, right? Yeah, that's um, true. But maybe is like the best Chekhov's gun one that you don't even see or something or one that comes in at the end. I don't know. I, I think the I think the idea of a Chekhov's gun is you clock it, yeah, and you think, okay, I need to remember that. When you're when you're, th- this whole movie is a magic trick, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And you're waiting till the prestige at the end, when it gets all revealed and you're amazed. Yeah. You you ha- you have to. I think you're right. You have to hide the guns. Yeah. But in a way that you'll remember that they were hidden. That's hard. Yeah. 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 Well, so that's what they did, though, so perfectly, is uh-huh. they had it, but then they show it at the end. So right. when Morgan Freeman is, or when Red is mm-hmm. talking through how he got out, yep. then they, they flash back to that scene, which you do remember, him carving yeah. his name in the wall, and there's all the other names in the wall. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, that was when this whole thing started, right then. Yep. Yep. So I love that. I, so I love that in the edit. Mm-hmm. I love that it's two hours and twenty-two minutes, but not boring. Somehow There's something the- about like patience. I was saying it's slow, but it also seems like a very patient movie in that way, and that mm. I think is part of the editing too, where mm. you he's trusting the audience and being patient with us mm-hmm. to really uh, to, that that la- that that will really he'll really stick the landing, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. That Darabont will be able to stick the landing because of the good patient editing that's happened. Yes. Well, and there's there are enough recurring things that happen. So like uh, three times Red goes into his parole hearing. Yep. Right? Um, yes. Like there are like times when he goes into solitary, there's the uh, the like the people coming in for their to have him do their taxes or like uh-huh. the library thing. Like there are enough um, things that like keep drawing you in yeah. so that you don't just feel like you're sitting there for two hours and 22 minutes straight. Yep. Um, and then there's almost like little vignettes, like the Brooks story. I was just going to use that word. I think you could actually see the entire movie as a series of mm. prison life vignettes. Mm. Episodes. And then I mean, yeah, I, I've I've got chill bumps all over my body thinking mm. about the Brooks vignette. 
Mm. Which it's, isn't in the book. Oh, okay. And so is a, a genius piece of filmmaking. He kind of looks like the up guy. He Am totally I wrong about like, that? I thought Where, that same thing. I've always thought that the up guy was modeled after Brooks. Totally the square jaw. The, I actually wonder if yeah. that's on purpose because the, the these two vignettes, the up vignette at the beginning of the mm-hmm. movie mm-hmm. and the Brooks vignette have the same impact in my mm. experience when I'm watching these movies. Dude, which is t- it's it's not the main point, yep. but wow, in 3 minutes? Uh-huh. Yeah. That that is worth the price of admission. You, you, any filmmaker would be counted lucky to have made just those 3 minutes. <laughs> just those yeah, to, those shorts. Yeah. Those little shorts. And actually, you know, um Thomas Newman is like one of the big Pixar film composers. Oh, so it even yeah. has that like it has that feel that Pixar sound underneath. Is you know what did I mean? he do Wally? He did Wally. He did Finding Nemo. Go. Finding Dory. Like I think yep. Thomas Newman just has such a beautiful sound. Like not as melodic, more like soundscapey. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, is it full orchestra? Can you tell? Oh yeah. It seems Total. kind of spare to me, but it's spa- then sometimes it's, it's very sweeping. It's sparse, but there's there's sweeping moments. But there a lot yeah. of times it's just like an English horn solo or some strings or piano. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know his dad, Alfred Newman, mm. was like a huge film composer. Hooked him up with John Williams for Return of the Jedi. He did some wow. orchestrations for Return of the Jedi. Okay. Um, and Alfred Newman composed uh, the 20th Century Fox thing that we all know and love. Uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> one of my favorite. Songs, yeah, Diet Coke and the the roll followed quickly by 20th Century Fox <laughs> fanfare. Yeah, um, but just Alfred, like, not Alfred E. Newman, who's the kid on the front of Mad Magazine with the oh, buck no, teeth. No, That's no, no. Is that is that, maybe I'm wrong about that. By the way, Raquel Welch has there the fuzzy go. britches. There you go. What say a fair fuzzy britches? <laughs> It's like every every single line I remember. Like that is so good. What say like that's so like it's it's combined with his kind of like biblical you know King James language. All right, where's my phone? Hold oh on. boy, I got a chunk in. Oh boy. Okay. So my other piece of evidence, and you know this is one of these things where uh, this could be different next time I watch it. What right. kind of rises to the top for me? But I got to yep. go with my latest viewing. Okay. Is the warden? <laughs> I think that he is. So this is another Stephen King thing, where his most terrifying villains, I think, aren't monsters but they're people. First mm-hmm. of all, mm-hmm. and this is another misery connection. I love a villain that is also has has weird religious. This is going to mm. sound weird as a Christian. Yeah, w- weird religious rules. About mm. their life. So this whole thing about like two things are valued in Shawshank yeah. Prison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, there are two rules Discipline. Here. Two rules, right. Dis- two values, discipline and the word of God. Right. And then right after that, he nods at the prison guard who goes and just like knocks the wind out of that guy for talking out of turn. Right. Um, the, the, the balance of it's, – it's, uh, it's very scary to me. Mm. Maybe that, maybe part of that is abuse of religion, mm-hmm. 
that plays into that. It also reminds me, I'm just thinking right now, of Professor Umbridge mm. in the fifth yep. Harry Potter, yeah. where there is a sweet veneer. Uh-huh. And th- that plays into the terror of how bad that person is. And I think that's why she's my favorite villain in the wow. Harry Potter series. Yeah. Wow. Because you just never know what that person's going to do. So there's, they're, they almost, they, they, they're almost, they're like self-righteous. Yep. They're, they pretend to be grounded in the rules. Yep. So maybe pharisaical in some sense. Um, great, great word for what they are. They cannot be talked out of anything. They yeah. are so right because they are, because their rightness is based on rules yeah. or or and and in this case odd interpretations of scripture yep um and it just and he's also kind of small hmm and so he doesn't have physical power and th- that belongs to his prison guards and so he's a bit unassuming he wears glasses he's got that weird gray crew cut yeah <laughs> And at times he can kind of move into kindness, especially in that Tommy scene where he just like totally tricks him into mm. confessing and then mm-hmm. shoots him dead. Yep. See, okay, but he doesn't do the bad stuff. Right. Do you know what I mean? He yep. has, he's able to walk away clean, scot-free, laundered because he has somebody else do the dirty work. And so he is able to keep his conscience clear. Mm. That is terrifying. <laughs> that is totally. He just has Hadley do everything. Right. Um, Dang. So uh, Annie Wilkes in Misery, who is trapped James Conn in bed and breaking his ankles and stuff. So she, he writes her a book, which is what that movie is about, doesn't swear. Mm. She She is kind of this innocent, doesn't like bad language make cock-a-duty, she'll say things like that. And then the next minute, she's got a sledgehammer breaking his ankles. So it's just like, that is just truly messed up Totally. To and he And I just love how it's played with in Shawshank. I did, by the way, Google uh, Shawshank Redemption Wooly Bikini to uh, find Raquel Welch's name. Okay. And there's a, there's a shirt that says, what say there, fuzzy britches? What that I think say you'd like. there, fuzzy britches? <laughs> I mean, so the biblical undertones in this are incredible. I think. Yep. Would would that would that go along with the warden, or is that something different? Yeah. That it's it's another. I'm sorry, I keep coming back to Stephen King, but I don't know when we're gonna do another one. It he Stephen King grew up Baptist, I think. Okay. Deeply believes in God, hmm. but not in organized religion. He had okay. a bad experience and continues to have bad experiences with organized religion. And so, um, and I wouldn't call himself a Bible believer probably or a Christian, but he, he writes with a lot of biblical allegory. Okay. I think him making the bad guy in a lot of his books, Carrie's mom is another example, is part of his upbringing and trauma from his upbringing. Sure. Wow. At the same time, 
he there is so good is good and bad is bad in his books there's almost no gray okay um and a lot of times the good guys believe in god mm. work miracles <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> they they function in the supernatural and this movie and this book i think is a great biblical allegory of rebirth it's called shawshank redemption <laughs> right well yeah so one of the like one of the most amazing moments is mm-hmm. when warden warden norton warden the norton warden, wait, norton. warden norton it's hard to say i know hands him his bible yep. and he says salvation lies within mm-hmm. right and we know in the great reveal is that he keeps his rock hammer in the Bible. So it's like it's, it's so that it's it's literal on a rewatch that that scene is so different oh, and incredibly tense. Yes. Maybe that's maybe that's part of what makes this so good that can almost be an evidence is Yeah. on on the rewatch it's just as good as the first time. Even better, and it's, maybe. and it's good in a different way, like yeah. Sixth Sense, right? If you know, spoiler alert, he's dead the yep. whole time. That movie changes on your second yep. viewing, and it changes in a good way. Yes, the, I think that scene is probably the best example of it because the poster's up. He's been digging through mm-hmm. the rock hammers in the Bible. He almost forgets to give it back to him. Yep. Woo! Yeah. And so it's so different when you watch it again. Yes. I love that. Yeah. Remember, remember, Andy. Salvation lies within. <laughs> And then, I mean, like, this is maybe one of my first times, uh, I'm, it was in college for sure, that I realized uh-huh. he opens it up and he opens it up to the book of Exodus, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that's at the very Too top. Too good. Like, that's, yep. that is so good. Like, yes. so in Exodus, right, the Jews escape from slavery. They have right. their Exodus. And so, yep. like, salvation lies within, the rock mm-hmm. hammer is saved. Starts on the book of Exodus. It's it's absolutely perfect. Escape from he has, he has oppression signed, and slavery. Right. He signed the Bible with that quote. You were mm. right. Salvation yes. lies yes. He flips over. Yes. And then there's this, this time I noticed, there's this moment then where everything falls away from the warden. And he does something which I don't think he would ever do, which is drops the Bible onto the ground in a heap. Mm. So mm-hmm. this thing that he says he respects and actually is hiding behind, mm. all of a sudden he does not care about that anymore. All He's going to actually shoot. He's going to murder the people mm. that are after him. There, there's nothing left to this man anymore. Wow. What a friggin' scene. Yeah, it's so good. <laughs> I mean, and then I looked at this closely too, like the cross stitch over oh, the yeah. safe right says, oh, his, right. his judgment cometh and that right soon. <laughs> Like I love it. The wife made it in church class, right? Church class, like, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. But like, um, oh man, every, everything has that like that tinge of the that is is that picture and that safe a Chekhov's gun? Maybe because your your attention is really drawn to that, mm-hmm. um, and you do clock that. I think. Uh, but the, just the way it's used and the final kind of narration over what Andy did mm-hmm. after he escapes mm-hmm. and bringing it all together. Wow. Yep. 
I just think there's something to the the like the veneer of the religious, mm-hmm. but but it's just evil and seething right underneath. Yeah, that makes it so eerie, so scary, and mm-hmm. it, I th- I think um that's just part of what makes him such an amazing villain like umbridge right you're absolutely right Mm -hmm. dude i'm gonna chunk in here please okay here here's my other favorite thing about this movie and Mm. it um uh, among many okay yeah (laughs) um is and this is very much like catch me if you can which is the protagonist is brilliant yes and this it's also martian bro i I, and the he, he is yes. sm- his superpower is how smart he is. Yes, totally. How do you get out yep. of this? Being smart. Mm-hmm. So like, oh, like catch me if you can is like this in that Frank Abagnale, it like the things that he does, like passing the bar legit. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, like the thing I'll never forget is how did you pass the bar? Right? Like. <laughs> Andy, do, like, there's a scene where Red is like, you're Rembrandt. Yeah. Right? He's like, you're not an artist. Like, you're not just, like, smart. You're Rembrandt. Right? What like, is he saying that in response to? It's he says so, it's that how he, he kind of an entire person. That's Remember? right. Exactly. He's like, yep. he's like he, basic, basically, he's like, here's how I did it. I laundered his money by passing it off all on, on uh, what did he call him? Uh, an aberration. Like, a, yep. Something specter I yeah, made, he made it up, up. Mm-hmm. and he's like, "Well, how do you just make up a person?" He's like, "Well, you just have to know the right forms and the right way to people to mail." So he's like, "I got a social security card, I like a birth <laughs> and certificate." How cool is it that it's he comes in as like, and everybody thinks that's stupid. You're a banker, mm-hmm. and his bankerness, uh huh, brings the whole thing down. Yep, totally, Woo. just launders the crap out of it. So it's his... Science is the crap out of it. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Totally. It's like his brain, his his intellect is the thing that he outsmarts everybody. Mm -hmm. Right? So... And I I think think that smart, that that intellect actually intimidates the religious warden. Yep. Right? Like when he's like, oh, sir, I wouldn't ever tell anybody about what's happening in here like that Mm -hmm. was the thing that like set him off or even the usage of obtuse maybe he didn't know what obtuse meant and he was like what did you call me yeah because he doesn't know what that means right do you trust your wife (laughs) you're obtuse (laughs) like so it's like it's just his his intellect what was what was the movie where grammar oh uh words we we did a movie where like um, or maybe it was The Martian. No, 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 no. What movie did we do where like I don't know? I want to know though. This sounds great. Where grammar is a Sm- like a smart main part of help? it. What? Why can't I think of it right now? I'll I'll think of it. Okay. Future Anthony here. It was Arrival that we were thinking of. Arrival language saved the day because I know we talked about it. Sure. So I just I love that, and then that leads to like. His perfect planning of his escape, yep, with absolute perfection and precision, down to the pressed suit, down to the shined shoes, mm-hmm. uh, the 
most amazing packing job I've ever seen. Like the way he packs his perfect chest packing. Set. Perfect packing. I wrote that down, dude, in all caps. Perfect packing scene. Like that chest set in the little in the little wooden box. I always the forget bar he packs of soap. that chest set. Yeah. So the bar of soap, there's a reason for. The yeah. suit, there's a practical reason for. Yeah. Obviously, all the papers. Mm-hmm. Why does he pack that chest set? It's his, it's his, he made it. Right? Like, yeah. Yeah, you're right. It's his creation. Like, it's his it's one. It's what he did in, the, in his 20 years. Yeah. It's what he has to show for his 20 years in prison. It's his totem, that chest yeah. set. I love that. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. And it's great packing too. Good job, dude. I know. It's uh I, I just think all of that is so good. So I think yep. that that is uh just part of what I love about it. I think it makes it yep. perfect. I can I just name some other things that I love? Yes. I love the music cue when the poster is is tear, torn down. Mm. The, it, I, I think there's probably, I didn't check, but my memory is that there's probably minutes and minutes without music. Mm-hmm. And then when that when he tears that poster down and there's a music cue that's actually kind of jovial and fun. Yeah. Yeah, totally. It's a little Pirates of the Caribbean <laughs> that comes in right there. Yes. Um, I, I just... I, Always chill bumps. Maybe I should just name my chill bumps moments. Uh, anyway, th- there's another thing that I really noticed this time, which is that he he. Sm- I love this smart thing that you're saying. Mm-hmm. He, first, he uses that to get out from underneath the sisters, and right. uh, in the good graces yep. Yep. of the warden. Mm-hmm. That's his. That's his initial plan, mm-hmm. and that's how he uses his smarts. Then. I think there's a shift mid movie when he finds out and we don't know about it yet that he could actually escape. Mm-hmm. Then he's able to kind of have two plans running at once the prison break. Yeah. And how do I make this place better for the people that are going to stay behind? Yeah. He doesn't check out when he realizes he can escape. Totally. He's still running this thing where he's trying to get books. He's trying to the the whole the whole record thing yeah the, everything he's just like a good dude mm-hmm. getting people their GEDs yeah right while he's d- digging out one spoonful of rock per night or yep. whatever he's doing yeah and so he's- I just really like that talk talk about this character arc that I said in the cold open he goes from kind of like just this banker. To somebody who really cares about other people, even though he may never never see them again after he escapes. Yep. He's he's just uh I think you're right. He's a good dude. He's paying it forward. Yep. You know? Definitely. Um Yeah, Indy. he's able to maintain I know, do you hear Indy? <laughs> I hear Indy. Uh, I wish that oh, Chewie's in here too. He can't hear her though. He'd be what going if, crazy. What if Chewie was like, hey, what's up? <laughs> What's up? <laughs> He's shutting the door, folks. Um, yeah, maybe maybe Chewie can understand her. <laughs> I wonder. <laughs> um, yeah, let me let me name a couple things then while while we're at it that I really like okay. too. Um, yeah. I, I I to go back to like the episodic. Mm-hmm. Vignette. The, the vignettes. Yep. Just the the Tommy vignette. He comes mm-hmm. in. Like a, yep. a, a just a nice scene, 
a nice mm-hmm. couple of scenes. You know, it, it like breathes. I think that in the edit is it just brings new energy, brings new yeah. interest. Um, yep. And also it kind of that makes a new like it creates uh, in Andy like he's the next generation. So Andy yep. was the fresh fish for the first mm-hmm. two thirds of the movie. And like here is just a nice burst of energy with a project with something to do. Yeah. Um, and then favorite quote, dude, mm. is uh, get busy living or get busy dying. Right. That one and the final hope yep. monologue mm. are in the, the, those are battling for me. I mean, I, I can't deny that that last several lines where he says the things he hopes for. Mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I mean, it. how did he do it? Mm-hmm. And then the last line is, I hope when he was just railing into Andy at the beginning of the movie about that doesn't exist. Yeah. Ooh, that's good. But get busy yep. living or get busy dying. Oh, <laughs> I want to just keep saying that. <laughs> Dude, it's get busy living or get busy dying is like one of my main life mantras because mm. I think about that. That's what Andy did. He's clung to hope. And yep. while he was in that prison, he got busy living and he brought life to other people. And he actually brought bad people down. So like, yeah, yeah. Get busy living is let's get Tommy his GED. Yeah. Let's build a library for those people. Let's befriend Brooks and let's make this chess set and let's have some great friends and let's get busy living. We're stuck here. We can get we have two choices, get busy living uh-huh. or get busy dying. And, and and Andy says that kind of Andy says that first, right? When they're having that right before the prison break, when they're having mm-hmm. that Conversa- that con- that conversation about say what neo and stuff uh-huh. like that yeah um and then red red says it again Ooh, when he does when he writes red was here next to brooke was here then he says get busy living or get busy dying damn mm-hmm. right yeah <laughs> and then he gets on the bus mm-hmm. and goes down to mexico mm. wow it's so good so I think about that, though, really regularly, mm-hmm. dude. I mean, as I've said many times, as somebody that struggles with depression, yeah. uh, I've had to say that to myself so many times, dude. Like, what can mm-hmm. I do today? Could I get busy living or could I get busy dying? Like, are you going to, yeah. like, degrade and, like, go down into yourself? Or mm-hmm. are you going to do something that's life-giving and, you know, build other people up? You know, do something healthy, right? Um, redeem, right? Redeem. Like- Totally. So what? I swear to you, this is the first time I ever thought of this. What's redeemed? What's the redemption? Is it Andy, or is it Shawshank? Mm. Has he brought redemption into that prison? Wow, he brought life into that prison for sure. I think I think that's what it might be. I think it's, that I think that's what the title means. It's Shawshank's redemption. I think there should. I think that it's an <laughs> implied apostrophe s. There. Shawshank's redemption, not Andy's. That's certainly a, there. There is new life and redemption after a false, right? Falsely, a false accusation of murder. Yep, I've always thought it was Andy. Andy's redemption. 
And it, but, it might be. I might be wrong, and no, I just this, might be excited about this. But I think that the prison itself, because of Andy's presence there, was redeemed. Yep. I like that read. I like hmm. it. All right. Yep. Well, listener, tell us what you think. Do you agree with that <laughs> hot take <laughs> from a 30-year-old movie title? <laughs> And also, we want to know if you think this movie is perfect. The best way to let us know that is on Instagram. We put a poll up there. Uh, Annie, our social media guru, helps us with that. You can also vote on our website or Facebook. Email, all of that is to Gomers. Uh, thank you to our webmaster, Adam, Jason for graphics, Davis for our music, and the aforementioned Annie for our social media. Uh, our next movie... Oh, I got this wrong. I wrote this down wrong. Our next movie, this is an Anthony's Choice. Yes. We've got Anthony's Choice and Steven's Choice coming up. Yep. Anthony's Choice. <laughs> he wanted it October themed. <laughs> so I thought, oh, you mean a scary movie? No, we're doing The Hunt for Red October. Yes. In October. <laughs> Dude, the original, the OG partner. It's the OG partner. We'll have to once again tell people what partner means, which doesn't actually make any sense the way we use it, but we will tell people. Yep. I, the Hunt for Red October, I have not been able to watch. Uh-huh. I've been, it, it's it's behind the Disney vault for me that right. Anthony has locked the door and said I can't watch it <laughs> until we do it on the podcast. So <laughs> finally, yes, I get to watch Sean Connery with a Russian accent. Could that be true? Uh, sort of. Okay. Not really. He and does is Alec Baldwin down there with him? Yep. Yep. Ooh, baby. Dude, it's, okay. it's great. I hope you like it. Oh, I guarantee I'll like it. I just, it's just been, I think I saw part of it when I was a kid. Oh, man. And then it's my main great. connection with it is you saying it over and over again. So finally, out of the vault, yes. The Hunt for Red October is our next movie. Okay. Awesome, dude. Hey, I forgot to mention mm. favorite music scene, dude, the, the Marriage of Figaro scene. Again, what a great scene slash vignette. Yep. Where he he leans over and turns it up. Remember mm-hmm. that part? Looking right at the warden. Turns it. He right. Hadley shows him that stick. He right. knocks it on the glass. Tap tap. Oh man, that is sinister, bro. Does, is that when he says thump your head? When no. When does he say thump your head? No. He's like, you better be sick or dead in there. <laughs> no, that's a different. That's a different part. Oh, it is right before that is pinch a loaf. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And on that note, great app. <laughs> Super fun, man. And happy watching The Hunt for Red October. <laughs> <laughs>